So the first scripture reading is Malachi 3, 1 through 4. I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. But who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? For he will be like a refiner's fire or a launderer's soap. He will sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver. He will purify the leva Levites and refine them like gold and silver. Then the Lord will have men who will bring offerings in righteousness. And the offerings of Judah and Jerusalem will be acceptable to the Lord as in days gone by, as in former years. Uh, the word of God, the people of God. Our second scripture reading is from the epistle to the Philippians. Chapter 1, chapter 1, verses 3 to 11. I thank my God every time I remember you, constantly praying with joy in every one of my prayers for all of you, because of your sharing in the gospel from the first day until now. I am confident of this. The one who began a good work among you will bring it to completion by the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to think this way about all of you, because you hold me in your heart, for all of you share in God's grace with me, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I long for all of you with the compassion of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may overflow more and more with knowledge and full insight, to help you to determine what is best, so that in the day of Christ you may be pure and blameless, having produced the harvest of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ for the glory and praise of God. The word of God for the people of God. Our gospel text today comes from the gospel of Luke. I think we're going to be in Luke all of Advent. So it's Luke 1, 39, and we're going to go all the way to 55. In those days, Mary rose and went with haste into the hill country, to the city of Judah, and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the babe leapt in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the voice of your greeting came to my ears, the babe in my womb leapt for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And then Mary says, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has regarded the low estate of this handmaiden. For behold, and henceforth all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name, and his mercy is on those who fear him from generation unto generation. He has shown strength with his arm, and he has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of low degree. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he has spoke to our fathers and to Abraham and his glory be forever. The word of God for the people of God. How are y'all doing today? We didn't get on this cold, cold day. I'm going to wait for everybody. Are you hot? Yes. Corey, fix the hot. 
People are hot, y'all. Amy says she's not hot, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> Let's get stuck, huh? No, we don't. We're a Baptist church. We don't vote. I'm kidding. All right, so I, I don't know how to segue into this. I'm going right in, so that's that was an uh, awkward thing for me. But anyway, sometimes there is a large difference in how we raise and approach our kids, right? Like from your first kid to your second kid, you kind of raise them a, a little bit different. Like with Eden, um, with her nursery was painted like six months before she got here, and everything was just so, and everything was perfect before her due date. And with Winifred, we hardly had it decorated by the time she got I don't think we got the crib out of the attic until about two weeks before. Um, and I put a couple things up and kind of put it together. But we just moved into a new house, and I was like, she can live here. That's good. Uh, everything's fine. Everything's just a little bit more simple, a little bit more relaxed with your second or third or fourth. Um, with Eden, shh, no one asked. Um, with Eden... We poured over her name, right? Like, everything was important. Eden, uh, obviously, is a biblical name. We took it from Genesis, and, you know, it means delight, and it means perfection, and, like, all these things. We poured over that. Her middle name is Elizabeth, and I picked it specifically because Elizabeth was the first person in the New Testament filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, we were really super spiritual then, and I think you can tell that. Um, but things were really important. That was really important to me. Um, now, Winnie, her name is Winifred June, and um, we named her that because we liked it. That's what happened. Uh, we liked it. Um, and then um, her middle name, June, she might be named after June Carter Cash, possibly. Um, but it was a little less significant uh, with the second name, we, Winifred's, everybody's like, is that your grandmother's name? No, my grandmother's name was Judy. Uh, I just liked it, right? Like, we just liked it. But this is where we begin our gospel story this week, is with the story that meant so much to me with my first child, with a very special story. It's often left off of our nativity story, though, right? Similarly to how Zachariah's story was left off last, the one that Corey talked about last week, isn't normally included with our nativity. But it's actually leading up. Like, if Christmas is the actual birth of Jesus, then this is what Advent is. This is the road to Christ. So this is where we build our anticipation. This is where we learn why the baby is important, right? That's why it is important to talk about. But it is impossible to talk about the baby without talking about his mama, right? Last week, Corey focused on the setting of sanctuary and on the story of Zechariah. And this week, we're going to dive into the setting of home in the Advent narrative. And then we're going to talk about the story of a little girl named Mary and her cousin Elizabeth and how they changed the world. Because that's what they did. This portion of scripture is often referred to as the Magnificat. Anybody heard it, ever heard it called the Magnificat? Maybe. Um, it's called the Magnificat, which is Latin for magnify or, or my soul magnifies the Lord, which is the first part where Mary begins to speak. And simply, sometimes we refer to it as Mary's song. You've probably heard to it referred to as that. This is the portion of the text where Mary moves from scared little girl to the mother of the gospel, right? This is where we see the growing up of Mary. 
I think sometimes as Protestants, we make such an effort not to deify Mary that we don't appreciate her enough. I think in our efforts not to venerate, we sometimes kind of go, yeah, I guess she was there. She, she might have been there, I guess. We kind of just skip over her at this point. But it's a topic that we should talk about. This week is a, a lot of Christian churches are preaching the Magnificat this morning. And so it was a topic that came up on some Twitter threads that I read. And I read this male Protestant pastor with very confidently proclaimed, Mary was but the vessel and her accomplishment was simply birthing Jesus. <laughs> and I just want somebody to walk into any delivery room in the United States and tell the woman, you are simply a vessel, and your accomplishment, oh, it's just right there, right? It's so much more than that. Mary's so much more than that. There's a reason why Mary is here. There is a reason that we hear about Mary from conception to the temple to the wedding of Cana, and then she's at the cross. Mary never leaves. Mary's always there. Mary has something to say to us this morning. That she had something that the gospel writers didn't want us to forget. And that is something I believe Jesus wants us to remember this morning. The first thing that I found interesting about this portion of scripture is how life-changing it is for Mary, for her to for Elizabeth to affirm to her what the angel of the Lord already told her. See, if we rewind just a little bit, we know that right before Mary visited Elizabeth, she was met by the angel Gabriel, right? The angel of the Lord comes down and tells her that she will have a son, and he is from heaven, and he will be divine, and we shall call him Jesus. Mary knew all this when she went to go see Elizabeth. Mary even knew from Gabriel, that Elizabeth would be with child in her older age. And when she gets there, a miracle still happens amongst them. What happens is, is that Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit and begins to speak into Mary's life and affirm the words from Gabriel. And that is when Mary makes one of the most important statements of her life, the Magnificat. Because sometimes... We need the community of faith to speak to us the same things that heaven is speaking. I don't know about y'all, but sometimes I read the words in the book and it doesn't matter as much to me as I think it should. And some days I read words in those books and it doesn't get through to me in the ways that it should. But in times like those, I know that we need to surround ourselves in the homes of our community. And we need to sit around tables and hear the same words from that book spoken out of your mouths to each other. Those are the things that remind us of who we are. Mary heard from the angel, but she needed her friend to remind her who she was and who God is. Elizabeth brought Mary into her home to gently declare the gospel to the original bearer of the gospel. Because it doesn't matter who we are, or how far we've come, or how long we've been here, we need the community to speak the gospel to us. So often the intimacy of our homes gives us space to say things that other spaces don't always afford us the opportunity to do so. 
We know that Elizabeth made her home the kind of safe space for Mary. We know about we know that being an unwed mother in those times was probably not the safest thing for Mary. We know that she didn't retreat to Elizabeth's home because it was convenient or because it was fun or because she missed her cousin. She did it because she had to out of necessity. And as we said, an angel of the Lord came and turned Mary's world upside down. So Mary was a young girl that was more than likely very, very afraid. Now, I've never fled my home in fear, but I know that we've all experienced extreme fear in our lives. From financial fears, to health scares, to extreme loss or extreme grief, we know that fear comes. I can remember the first time in my life that I experienced that paralyzing fear. You know what kind of fear I'm talking about. The kind that kind of makes you just tense up and you can't move. I was five or six years old, and my family got tickets to the opening of Cat Country at the Memphis Zoo. Y'all remember that? If you're familiar with the Memphis Zoo, then you know that for the last 25 years they've renovated the whole zoo. Well, Cat Country was the first thing they renovated in like 91, 92. I was about five or six years old. And with that renovation, they had an opening for if you had a membership, and it was done at night. So it started like five and ended about eight, and you could come, and there was a select group of people. And so at some point during this evening zoo experience, which now is a little bit more common, but back in the early 90s, it was like a big thing. You're at the zoo at night. It was weird. And um, I and my large family, I got separated. And it was just me and my brother um, away from all of the rest of the eight of us, right? And so my older brother, who's five years older, so if I was five, he was 10. And we got separated. And at the same time they put in cat country, if you're familiar with the zoo, they put in that little creek that goes through the middle of um, the entryway to the zoo, and my brother, being 10, wanted to jump the rocks and to go over the creek. And he could reach. He was tall. His legs fit. My legs didn't go, and I got scared halfway through on the rocks, and I had to turn around. So I turned around from the only person I knew, and in that minute, not only was I separated from the rest of my family, I was separated from my older brother as well. So it's dark. There's, in my mind, hundreds of people at the zoo. It's cram-packed. I'm five, and I'm alone. And I remember that paralyzing, not being able to move, not being able to breathe, not being able to cry kind of fear. It kind of goes deep inside of you. And I remember walking up and finding some ladies at some point that were selling raffle tickets. And I said, I've lost my family and I need some help. And they were not that helpful. Um, because at that time, there was no PA at the zoo. That was not a thing. There weren't hundreds of, you know, those people with the walkie-talkies walking around. That wasn't a thing. So her suggestion was I should stand near the exit because it was closing time and watch all the families leave. And obviously, my family would have to come through there. It wasn't bad logic, but for a five-year-old, so I'm standing at the exit waiting for my family just to come through there, um, hoping. So in my mind, I was convinced my parents would never find me, ever. I was going to live at the zoo. I was going to have to make friends with monkeys, and I was just afraid I was going to be perpetually alone. And I'm sure all of us have that initial fear memory in your life. You can go back to a point where you were lost or somebody left you or something happened. I know one time we were picking up a Christmas tree at Lowe's and we left my little brother there by accident. Like that's his, 
we have those paralyzing fear things. But since that day when I was five or six, I can tell you almost every time in my life where I felt that paralyzing fear. Whether it was the day that he didn't get the job that we desperately needed, or we got the diagnosis from my dad, or the day I got the phone call from the people, from my mom, who had both of my kids and said, don't panic, we're headed to Labonner, I think we're going to be okay. It's fear, man. That's deep fear. Every time my kids have had surgery, it's that deep fear. And the list can go on and on, and everybody has those spaces, but we know what that deep, paralyzing fear feels like. And Mary was in the midst of that. She was in a scary place, and Elizabeth made her home a sacred place for that fear. A place where she could come afraid, but she didn't have to leave that way. A place that she could be a beacon of hope in a dim-lit world. And that gave Mary a space to sing hope into the darkness. Mary's song was sung when she was fleeing and afraid. And in the midst of great fear and with deep hope, Mary declared, The Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is His name. Our homes and our lives should be no different than Elizabeth's. Just like Elizabeth, we are filled with the Holy Spirit. And just like Elizabeth, we can be that listening ear. We can be that affirming word. We can be a space for the spaceless. We can be hope for the hopeless. And we give people that lighthouse in vast darkness. We can open up the opportunity for our friends to sing songs of life and hope. We all know how the story goes, and we know that this isn't the last time that Mary is going to feel fear. This is not the last time that Mary will have to flee. We know that the Holy Family becomes a refugee, and they have to run to Egypt. And I have to think in my heart that Mary whispered this song to herself as she fled, because she remembers the fear, and she remembered the song. And deep down... I hope that's what people can say about my home and my life. I can't offer much like Elizabeth didn't have much to offer, but I do have the regurgitation of the gospel that I know, a cup of coffee, a blanket, maybe some tacos. I have something to give. I have small things to give, but that's what people need, especially in this Christmas season that can be depressing for many. It can be difficult for others. We can be bearers of great hope in the midst of great fear. The singers of beauty in the midst of the ugliness of this world. We can be those things. Mary was far from home when she visited Elizabeth. But it felt like home. Because the presence of the Holy Spirit was there. There's a song by Edward Sharp and the Magnetic Zeros. I'm probably the only human that listens to them, but that's okay. But there's a song called Home that he has that I really enjoy. The chorus says, home, let me go home. Home is wherever I'm with you. Home is where I belong with you. Now, this isn't a religious song. It's a love song. It's kind of a hippie love song. But... I can't help but think of it in context to the gospel when I listen to it. Because it reminds me that home isn't where the heart is, it is where the Holy Spirit is. And as we live the best Christian life possible, we are creating home with every person that we ever meet. 
We are creating a space and a place for people to run to us with their fears and to leave with hope. Mary reminds us through the text this morning that there is hope and that our hope is Jesus. A Jesus that came to us like a little baby and a Jesus that is coming again. A Jesus that came to save us. A Jesus that is God with us. Our invitational hymn that we will sing in just a moment is O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. And you guys will all have the opportunity again to declare this morning that there is hope in the darkness. And to declare that there is a God who is present with us in this space and in our lives. And we don't have to do it alone. And that in the midst of our fear, there is Jesus. And we don't, when we don't have anywhere else to turn, we have Jesus and we have the community of faith that points us to Jesus. Let us pray.